Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. And so today I come to you with the sermon title of Staying Connected to God During, during Seasons of Pain and Seasons of Grief or, or Seasons of Difficulties, Staying connected, connected with God. Uh, most of my um, sermons, are when I start to preach, I try to I use this hook, kind of like something to get folks to uh, follow along or, or stay connected with. So bear with me as I, as I share this story, a brief story about this pastor. Kind of like, I almost would say Pastor Scott, possibly. Uh, this pastor, he's in a church, and in the church, they're gathering in this, in this space that's not the most comfortable space, but, but they're making it happen. They're making it work. And, but eventually, they like, they like to move out of this space into their own space. And, and so they have this building fund. They're raising money for this, for this new place that they're going to call their home. And, and so, uh, the pastor one Sunday, he says to the congregation, he says, if anyone would give me $1,000, so he was going big. If anyone would give me $1,000, you can pick out three hymns. So this was an old school church, and, and they loved the hymns. And so, so he, he puts it out there, $1,000, you get to pick three hymns. And a, and a little old lady in the back of the congregation raised her hand, and she says, Pastor, Pastor, uh, I'll do it. She was so excited. She pulled out her checkbook, and, and she wrote the check for $1,000. And the pastor, he's just so pleased. He, he says, thank you so much. And, and so he, he brings her up front, and he says, so now you get to pick out three hymns. And, and so she looked over the congregation, and she says, all right. And as she, as she, as she surveyed the congregation, she says, she says I'll, I'll take him. I'll take him, and, 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 I, and I'll take him. Uh, I, I'm glad y'all got that. Because I, I was like, I ain't going to catch. And so you, I think it's okay to have laughter in the church. I think it's wonderful to have laughter in the church, especially after such a tragic week that we've experienced here in Buffalo, as Pastor Scott says, because a senseless a senseless act of, uh, of violence that, that, that's motivated uh, because of the color of someone's skin. Um, this past week, um, um, I've clocked over about 20 hours providing uh, mental health counseling support and when possible, spiritual direction to the folks down in the Buffalo area, specifically the top's employees. There's a verse in the scriptures that says, Proverbs 17:22. it says, uh, a cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A, a cheerful heart makes life more enjoyable. But sometimes I believe that, that we find ourselves going through seasons uh, of pain. We find ourselves going through seasons of difficulty, seasons, uh, if I would say, uh, of grief. And it, could you just pause for a second? Could you imagine a family member going out doing their weekly chores um, in this situation, grocery shopping? and they never return home because of the color of their skin. Could you imagine that? And, and, and in reality, there's a huge population of people who, who, who daily they struggle while simply just living while being black. And many others have great pain 
They have grief. They have challenges. Pain, grief, and challenges are simply just steals our joy, and we never recover from that part, and our lives will never be the same. And so I think of this passage again. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart makes life more enjoyable. And in our passage today, David, he's struggling. David is struggling. David doesn't have, have this cheerful heart anymore. David, he's struggling with pain. He's struggling with grief. And he's, he's having this moment when, when the cheerful heart is absent and life is no longer enjoyable. If you have a Bible, I'm going to try to um, read. I, I tried to practice this earlier, but the lighting, and I have glasses, and i got to take them off to read. I'm at that point. Um, and so we're at um, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel ch chapter 12, and I'm going to pick up, thank you, in verse 13. Scripture says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Verse 15, After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David. And he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and he went into the house and spent the night lying on the ground. The elders of the household stood beside him to get him up from the ground. But David, he refused. He would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still alive, we spoke to David. But he would not listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that the servants were whispering among themselves, and he realized that the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he washed, he put on clothes. He, he, he changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord, and David, he worshiped. He went to his own house, and, and, and at his request, they served him food, and David ate. His servants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you, you fasted and wept, but, but now the child is dead, and, and you get up, and you go, and you eat. He answered, while the child was alive, I fastened and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me, let, and let this child live, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he would not return to me. Then, then David comforts his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and laid with her, lied with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word to Nathan, the prophet, to name him Jedidiah. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart makes life more enjoyable. And so again, David, he's having this, this moment. Things aren't going too well for, for David. Uh, uh, things aren't going well for David. Um, but in the midst of it, what I enjoy, uh, as I read this passage, uh, David, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of his sorrow, there, there's a repeated theme, and that repeated theme is that he stays connected. He stays connected to God, and, and David, he moves forward with his life. And today, I want to talk about how we can do that, that, that when we find ourselves in that struggle, how can we ourselves stay connected with God uh, in seasons of pain and seasons of great difficulty that we too can move forward? And I believe it's possible because of our connection, 
our connections with, with God. Let me pause for a moment and pray. Our Father God, I thank you for uh, this great opportunity to share your word with your people. But Lord, I pray that um, you would um, speak through me, uh, that I would step aside and allow your spirit uh, to say what needs to be said, that we can leave here uh, with a, another perspective, possibly, as how we can, in the midst of pain and trials and sorrows, that, that we too, we can overcome. Uh, we can do that um, in part by remaining connected to you. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I think we all would agree that one of the most traumatic things that could happen um, is the loss of a child. Uh, the loss of a child. Um, uh, anyone who's ever um, have lost a loved one, not even just a child, can, can sympathize with, with David in our text here. David is heartbroken, and, and the scripture tells us, as we read earlier, that, that, that he, he weeps on the ground. Um, but the truth of the matter is, regarding David, David, he brings this situation upon, upon himself. As we learn in 2 Samuel chapter 11, uh, the scripture tells us that David, he he commits adultery with the wife of Uriah the Hittite. That's Bathsheba. Remember the story of Bathsheba? She's, she's out doing her monthly cleansing, and David, he looks over, and he, and he sees her, and he desires her, and he wants her, and so he summons her uh, to his place. And when he does that, he seduces her, and, and then he realizes that what I've done is wrong, and so now comes the big cover-up. And so what David does, he sends Uriah, who's part of the army, he sends him out in the army and puts him in a vulnerable position knowing that he would get killed. This is the cover-up because he had sinned. And, 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 and his buddy Nathan, Nathaniel, brings it to his attention in chapter 12, verse 9. The prophet Nathan says to David, he says, my, my boy, partner, you're guilty. You are, you are guilty because, because you despise the word of the Lord. You see, David knew what he had done was wrong. And Nathaniel speaks into his life and he says, you've despised the, the, the word of the Lord and, and what is evil in God's eyes. And therefore, he, he assures David that there's going to be consequences. And so this story here is also about, uh, is also about the lack of respect for God's word. And when that happens, sometimes grief might follow. But that's a sermon for another time. So invite me back, Scott, please. I got more to say about this passage here. Uh, but the story goes on, and it begins in verse 15. We have the newborn baby. He becomes sick. The scripture tells us that for seven days, David pleads with God. And he says to God, scripture says, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I've committed adultery with Bathsheba. He comes out with it. He says, he says, I got her, her pregnant. And, and not only that, I, I, then I killed her husband as, as the big cover up. What I did was wrong. And then he's pleading. He continues and he says, Lord, don't take my baby. And, and part of that plea I can only imagine is like, take me, take me instead. Uh, keep my child alive. And likewise, as I think about that, that scenario there, I, I consider myself how many times I found myself pleading with God because of a situation that I've gotten myself into. 
and I'm starting to, I'm starting to plead with God, uh, how often uh, uh, have, have even for yourself a cheerful heart is absent because of something that we've set in motion? The Bible says, but on the seventh day the child dies, and, and I can't imagine the grief or the guilt that David, that David is feeling right now. How does he get through it? How does he, how does he deal with it? How does he get back to having a close relationship, not just with God, but those around him. And I believe the argument, my argument, is that he did this in part because he stayed connected. In the midst of all that's going on with him, David, he stayed connected with God. He stayed connected with God. And and so I'm going to get to some of these questions that I've raised so far. But first, I want to share uh, two things, um, what I believe the Bible, what God's Word has to say about grief. The first thing is that grieving is something that we all need to do one time or another. Grieving is something that we all need to do at one time or another. In the Old Testament uh, text, Ecclesiastes 3, 4, it says, there's a time to weep, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. Uh, Think about this. Uh, There's a time for everything. There's a season for everything, we're told in this passage here. Now imagine yourself, you're out there on the basketball court playing basketball, so something Scott and I can relate to, And, and more so Scott. Scott, you're out there, you're knocking down those threes, and as you're knocking down those threes, as Steph Curry would say, you're putting them all to sleep, right, Scott? You're putting them all to sleep. But after the basketball game, we play about twice a week. We try to get together, and, and you go home, or, or I go home. And, and so, yes, I had fun earlier in the day, but later that night, I started thinking about a loved one. I start considering a friend or acquaintance or possibly even I'm considering that person at the grocery store who's shopping, but, but they never made it home. And, and then I start crying because deep in my heart, I, I miss that person. And you know what? In, in, in that time of crying, in that time of missing, not having that relationship with that person, it's okay. It's okay to express our emotions when we grieve because the Bible says that there's a time to weep. The Bible says there's a time to just ball it up and shoot all those threes that you can, Scott. Just keep knocking down the threes. Keep putting them to sleep. But you know what? There's also a time, not just that time of laughter and enjoyment and, and everything's on the high. There's a time for us to sit back and, and, and to cry as we, as we think about about stuff that's going on around us, stuff that's going on around us. And I'm speaking not just from this text of of what's said in in Ecclesiastes, our our greatest role model ever, Jesus Christ. He gives us permission to cry because the Bible says in the shortest Bible, the shortest scripture text in the Bible is Jesus having this, this moment where the Bible says that Jesus that Jesus wept in John 11.35. Why did he weep? Because of the death of his friend Lazarus. If it's good enough for Jesus, folks, it's good enough for you and I. Jesus wept. And it's okay for you too. It's okay for you too that when you're grieving, um, uh, that that you can just break down and, and, and you can cry. The second thing about grief that the Bible speaks to is that that there's no rules about how long you grieve. How about that? There's no rules about how long you grieve. There's nothing in the Bible that says, dude, it's been 60 days. Give it up. 
put down the handkerchiefs, come up with your hands up. Nothing in the Bible says that. In fact, in Genesis 48, 7, we have this text that says, it talks about Jacob, that, that he feels sorrow for his wife that dies. And I love it when I think about this and I, and I consider the timeline that when, when, when Jacob is grieving, it's been more than 30 years that his wife had died. And he is still in the grieving process 30 years after she dies. But, but by God's grace, we are all able to move on at some point. But there's no specific timeline. Example, 19 years ago, uh, this summer, 19 years ago, my, my, my family and I, we packed up the house and we moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You may have heard of that name, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, uh, because Pastor Scott, he spent some time in Sioux Falls. And so likewise, um, after dodging God's call to full-time ministry for, for many years, we finally recommitted our lives to Christ and says, we're going to serve you in full-time ministry. And so my wife, uh, Lisa, Lisa at that time was about 35. I was about uh, 38. Uh, we were en route for theological education training. Uh, and, and so we were the non-traditional family. And so in tote was our children. Uh, my son, I believe, Kevin Jr., was 10 years of age. And our daughter, Carissa, was eight. Long story short, we, we get there and everything's going fine. Um, but then we got hit with with a tragic situation. I say it's tragic because for us, we, we had this unexpected pregnancy as well as an unexpected, an unexpected death. Um, I say unexpected pregnancy, but don't get me wrong, it wasn't like David and Bathsheba, <laughs> unexpected in that way. Uh, our unexpected is kind of like uh, Abraham and Sarah. You see, we felt that at 35 and 38, we were too old to be having uh, children, um, but um, it happened, and, um, and we miscarried. Um, the medical term was placenta abruption, or um, a torn placenta. And even to this day, 19 years later, there's not many days that go by that, that I don't remember, think about our third child. 19 years later, it still is with me that we lost our child. And so I, I know what it's like to be grieving. Um, you know what it's like. Uh, to be grieving. And so um, you don't just, you just don't get over it. You just don't, you just don't get over uh, uh, something like that. How is it that, that we, we, how dare we say that we can get over 10 innocent lives is just snuffed out like that? We just don't get over it, church. It, it stays with us. Um, it stays with us. We don't just take the pat on the back. We don't just walk it off. And so there's no, there's no rules about how long, how long you grieve. Um, how do people cope with difficult situations? And for Lisa and I, we had each other. For Lisa and I, we had close friends who supported us. And most importantly, it's our relationship with Jesus Christ that kept us going, that we stayed in the game, we stayed connected. 
you just don't get over stuff like this. And staying connected is so, is so important. And so what about you? What about you, church? What do you do when you find yourself in situations like these? What do you do towards possibly experiencing the healing power of God? I got three, three points, basically, as to what you can do. And the first one is you can take care of yourself spiritually. Take care of yourself spiritually. In our text, David, he, he, he spent seven days praying to God. And, and even after God didn't answer him or God didn't give him the answer that he hoped for, you see, there's a difference there. We can pray to God and God answers our prayers, but the answer that God gives is not always the answer that we're seeking after. And so David didn't get what he was hoping for. And so the scripture tells us what does he do is that, is that he gets dressed. He, he goes back to the temple and he, and he worships the Lord. And, and why is this? Why is it that he gets back up and he worships the Lord? And I believe it is because not just that he loved his child, I believe that he even loved God that much more, that he was able to get up and go back to worshiping. There's another Old Testament character, Job. You might remember that story. Job went through a lot. Job, the scripture tells us, had 10 children, and um, the 10 children got killed. And the reference I have for you, it talks about Job, that, that, that he falls on his knees. And Job, he says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, as upset or as confused as I might feel in the moment, the one thing that I'm sure of beyond a shadow of a doubt is that God is in control. God is in control, and I'm going to lean on him every day until I myself take my last breath. Well, seminary um, before us got tougher as we lost our baby. Um, not too many people were aware of the pregnancy, so we were early in the process. You know how you're in that first trimester and you're not sharing too much with people. Um, so maybe a few family members and, and our closest friends at church. Um, Lisa, she continued her teaching job. She was an elementary teacher. Um, Kevin Jr. and Carissa, they continued going to their school that they were attending. I continued being a full-time student, part-time at the, at the local church. And in between the busyness of life, all that was going on at that time, I still can reflect this day and see what got us through our pain, what got us through our grief. Again, I'm going back to it again. It was because of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We decided, we made a, a decision that we were going to stay connected, stay connected to God, stay connected with our friends. Uh, we decided we were going to take care of ourselves ourselves spiritually. It was tough to say, blessed be the name of the Lord, that the Lord giveth and the Lord 
taketh away. But we believe in God's sovereignty and we believe in God's provision. And so we decided to stay connected. Church, I want us to realize that, um, that we are going to have our seasons of pain, our seasons of tragedy, our seasons of, uh, 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 of grief. And this is not the time that when we're going through this stuff, this is not the time for us to disconnect. We, during these times, we, we, don't, we don't disconnect. This is when, when I believe you need your church family that much more. And David, David coming back to the church temple is very significant because in effect, what he's saying, he's saying, he's saying is, is, is that God, I'm going to go back to my regularly scheduled program. But, but the timing, David, he got up quickly. Uh, some folks, it takes a little bit more time, but, but don't just totally disconnect. Uh, David decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay connected to my worshiping community, that this is still my top priority. David says, I may have lost a son, but, but I don't ever want to lose my love for you. I don't want to lose the zeal for your house. Another scripture reference we have is in Hebrews chapter 10, 25. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of approaching. And as I think about that, I think about bereaved people in general um, who, who, who sometimes people say, um, uh, I don't know how I would have made it through this dark time in my life if it wasn't for my church, if it wasn't for my church. Don't, don't give up on church, folks, when you're going through these seasons. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself spiritually. It helps. The second point I want us to remember when you're going through uh, times of difficulty is to take care of yourself physically. Look at what David does in verse 20 of our, of our text. It says, then David arose from the earth and he washed and he anointed himself and he changed his clothes. And then he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Uh, he then went into his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. You see, for David, as soon as he found out that his child was dead, the scripture says he got up off the ground. David, he, he takes a shower, and David, he, he, he must have had ashy skin like me. He, he lathers up, and he puts on the lotion. He puts on fresh clothing. And then afterwards, he, 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 there's a church service. And after the church service, he eats a big, a big meal. Now, I don't know what eating a big meal does for you, but there's something about food. There's something about what some people call comfort, comfort food. I have lots of comfort foods. Oh, I enjoy comfort food. And David must have enjoyed comfort food too because it helped him. And this is an example of taking your care of yourself physically. I'm thinking about all these funeral services that are going to happen. It started on Friday was the first funeral service for one of the victims downtown. Saturday was another funeral service, and, and they're just happening throughout the course of the week and next week. Uh, but at each of one of those funerals, there's these traditions that happen after the funeral. We might call it the the, the, the funeral luncheon, or um, some traditions call it the meal of mercy. Uh, some just say the reception meal, or some call it the repast. You ever hear the word repast? And, and I tell you, in regards to comfort food, and I think about repasts, I think of this expression, it says, there ain't no party like a 
Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Now, if you've never been to a black funeral, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. And then afterwards, we have this, this repast, this time of gathering, and the purpose of it is this, this targeted time of providing comfort that we're family, friends, and even strangers get together to, to give comfort to the families who are in grief or the families who have lost a dear one. But also part of that is fried chicken, barbecue ribs, collard greens, potato salad, cornbread. Now, that's at a black funeral. Now, I've gone to done many funerals, and we have egg salad sandwiches, and there's a difference, folks. <laughs> one is comfort food. One is just, we're going to nibble on a few veggies and stuff like this, okay? Take care of yourself physically, and that's what what David does, he takes care of himself physically. It says that after he showered and, and he gets up and he, and he gets bathed and all this sort of stuff, and then he, then he eats a meal, he replenishes himself. Do you remember what happened in Eli with Elijah in 1 Kings 19? 1 Kings 19, verses 6 through 8, uh, Elijah is running for his life. He's running for his life. And Scripture tells us that an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, slow down, Elijah. He says, you need to replenish yourself. The angel says, you need to eat something. The Scripture passage tells us that the angel takes some stones and prepares a meal for Elijah. And Elijah eats this meal, this food. And as a result, Elijah is able to travel another 40 days and another 40 nights. You see, Elijah, he he. he he gets faster. He gets energized because he's restored. He, he has this food. There's something about food when you want to take care of yourself physically. Go to the table. Go to the table and restore yourself. The third thing, take care of yourself socially. David didn't spend the rest of his life in his parents' basement playing video games. Uh, David didn't uh, just stay on the ground lying in the ashes. David didn't choose a life of isolation, feeling sorry about himself. The scripture says, David, he gets off the ground. He talks to the palace servants. He spends some time with his wife. In other words, David, in his time, which was good for him, he moves on. And it's time for some of us to do the same. It's time for some of us, likewise, that we need to move on. We don't forget about our loved one, and we don't forget about what that is that's causing us so much grief, that's causing us so much pain. Remember, you never forget. But there comes a time that we have to collect ourselves and we have to move on. We have to refuse to allow the grief or the pain or the tragedy to paralyze our life. Genesis 24, 66 is a story of Isaac. Um, Isaac has the death of his mom. Um, his, his mom, uh, Sarah, dies. And this is a good illustration in regards to moving on. Later on, what does Isaac do? And I'm not, I don't know, I can't recall how much time in between. Isaac goes out and gets married. That's how he deals with his grief. He finds himself a lifelong partner, and he marries uh, uh, Re Re Rebecca after his mom's death. Uh, uh, he didn't allow this to set him back to the point that, okay, I, I, I'm just going to be frozen. I'm going to be stuck here. He moved on, taking care of himself socially, and found himself a life partner. He finds happiness again. 
And I believe that we too, after we take care of ourselves spiritually, after we take care of ourselves physically and, and socially, uh, then there's a time for us to reach out to others. We have experiences, life-lived experiences, that we can then be ministers, ministers to others. Um, another example, David, he takes care of Bathsheba. In um, chapter 11, verse 24, it says that David comforts his wife, Bathsheba. After all that he went through, he took care of himself, and then he realized there's others around him who needed care as well. As the band comes up, I want to reflect a little bit in regards to uh, last week. Again, this shooting at tops. Um, the mental health community, we rallied in, uh, by providing counseling support to the victims and family and friends, uh, uh, whomever is seeking uh, support. And specifically, my agency was um, called upon to provide support to um, uh, TOPS employees specifically. Um, and so I had the opportunity as, I say the dual role as counselor, um, also as clergy. And here's my reflection. With all my theological training, with all of my evidence-based interventions and practices, things of that nature, with, with all my problem-solving skills and, and providing psychoeducation, the best resource that I had to offer was simply listening. And not just listening, but uh, joining them in crying. So I listened, I cried, and on occasion I would say a word to try to provide support. Um, and my message to us is that we don't have to necessarily be good with words. I think sometimes we get caught up with that. To, what do I say? I don't know what to say. Don't worry about knowing what to say. Just, just being there somewhere, being there will somewhat help people as they deal with their, with their pain and, and, their, and their grief. And it's appreciated at a level that you could never imagine. Uh, Pastor Scott has mentioned already that on Tuesday, uh, he joined us downtown at the Merriother uh, Library, and um, we listened. Uh, the folks um, had lots of emotions um, as they were sharing their story about um, the shock of what, what they are experiencing, what they went through, and, and there's lots of crying, and there's some screaming, there's some yelling. And at some point um, during the week, I believe it was it was Wednesday and Thursday, we brought in um, some music because they, they wanted to, to dance and, and they wanted to sing, and We Are Family is on, and everyone's just celebrating, and then there's just those moments of crying or uh, um, um, remember the story of Lazarus his death and his resurrection uh, John 11 19 um, says that many gathered many Jews gathered uh, to be with Mary and Martha uh, to provide comfort um, and what I like about that passage is that it doesn't give us specifics in regards to what that comfort looks like. It doesn't provide any information in regards to what the words were that was said. Uh, and, and I believe it's because the, the simple fact is that, is that they were just there. They were just present. No words are recorded in regards to what they said. 
Pastor Scott, you were there Tuesday. And some words were expressed. You had a time of prayer or whatever. I don't think you'll ever imagine what your presence meant to those folks. That this white dude from suburban Buffalo comes out to be with them, to, to support them however he could. And, and, and I don't think there's anything you could have said, Scott. But Wednesday, as we're recapping in our group, they were like, and who was that white dude who came out here? <laughs> you know, Because specifically, as they rallied the mental health community, they were specific and said, we only want people of color who are counselors to come to minister to the people of color. And so to get the past to come in, they're like, okay, then who is this dude up in here or whatever? But they're talking about you, that you took time out of your day just to be there. They'll never forget that. And again, I don't know what the words were that you may have had with folks or whatever, but your presence meant so much to them, meant so much to me as your friend. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. Church, if you heard anything that I've said today, anything that I've said, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is that you're going to encounter in the future, I implore you, I beg of you, the Old Testament, Old Church says, I beseech you, stay connected. Stay connected to God, no matter whatever your challenge is. And remember, Take care of yourself spiritually. Take care of yourself physically, socially. And don't forget to help others along the way. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, I thank you for the ministry of New Story Church and how they have partnered and come alongside um, folks who are vulnerable, folks who are in need. Lord, I pray that in um, ways that we can never imagine that you would do abundantly, abundantly more than we could ever imagine through our little hands and feet. Father God, I lift up to you right now those who are going through difficult situations. I don't know their stories, but you know their stories. And Lord, I pray that we as a church, that we can come alongside of folks, that we can provide support to them, that we can pray for them, we can bring them bags of food, we can listen to them, we can cut their lawns, we can, we can buy appliances, we can, we can do all these things towards the healing process to those who are struggling. Help us to stay connected to you through it all. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.